Welcome to the soft yard, a place where seemingly uneasy, uncomfortable and confronting conversations are being held. My name's Anna and I made it my mission to hold space and create a container to normalize asking the questions we really seek answers to but often shy away from. I crave for us to forge a path together so we can create a community where we feel seen and held without judgment. A place where we can come together to heal, where softness is not a weakness. But before we begin today's episode, let's just take a moment and take a deep breath together. I am grateful that you decided to press play today. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, good morning or good evening, depending what time it is and when you are listening to this. Welcome back. I would like to start this episode with reading some more of my poetry to you. I wrote this poem last night quite unexpectedly and I feel like it's the right thing to share because what comes after builds on top of this and I feel like there's a lot of information missing if I wasn't sharing it and even though there was a lot of resistance that I find when thinking about reading this out loud but I know it inherently will be beneficial for me for my own growth and potentially also for others so here's a little trigger warning a little disclaimer because the last time I shared one of my poems it hit a couple people quite hard so be safe if you're listening to this while driving pay ultra careful attention and I can't wait to hear what you all think of it. Ever since I can remember, I felt like I was drowning in my own thoughts, lost for direction, unable to gasp some air. Asphyxiating in the muddy waters of my own mind. I've spent 33 years of my life being so goddamn hard on myself, putting my flaws under a magnifying glass, viewing my every move under a microscope, painting a picture of myself that one day I will be perfect. For what? To confirm the belief that I wasn't good enough, ever, to live up to my own potential. To avoid the belief that even my own mother didn't love me enough to choose me. To oppose the belief that I wasn't worthy of love no matter what I did. 
my whole life I've been so busy to push people away that were sent my way to help me heal and now I'm faced with a potential reality. Have I missed my chances? Have I run out of saviors? Have I been so busy hating myself that I missed enjoying my best days? When I look at old photos of mine, I barely recognize myself and the person I consider myself to be now. It's hard to look back and not see the pain reflected on my face. No matter how pretty and flawless I try to look. No matter how hard I was on myself. My broken heart is screaming from these pictures. I had been so busy filling voids. I'd forgotten to cherish my achievements. I'd been so busy numbing my aches. I neglected making memories. I'd been so busy creating a picture-perfect life. I'd been putting band-aids over bullet holes, wondering why my life was so blood-stained and full of pain. But I'm getting there. And Mama, you'd be proud of me, of how far I've come and how proud I am of myself. I finally made it happen. I finally loved the whole of me. I love me so much. It would be enough love to love you too, Mum. I know you would have needed that too back then. You didn't know you passed on your burden to me. You didn't mean to. And finally, I am releasing myself from this heavy weight. It was never mine to carry. Neither was it yours. And I love you for the most part. And the other part will never stop wishing that you knew what I know now. So you'd have had the power to fight harder. The knowledge that what you deserved was to live and not to suffer. You chose suffering and defeated you long before you gave up. But you didn't know what I know now. And I'm finally not angry anymore. My anger is no longer a reflection of you. I wrote this poem last night after I've been looking at some old photos of mine that resulted in releasing some anger I've been carrying for a multitude of years. Anger I didn't allow myself to feel because I didn't feel I was entitled to feel this way. Feeling righteous or not doesn't stop a feeling from existing though. Repression only amplifies it. And we start using all our power to keep holding it back. 
I feel the need to say that the anger was not what came up straight away when I looked at old photos of myself. The anger was already buried six feet under the ground. When I looked at old photos of myself, and I'm talking between two to six years ago, I keep seeing the pain resonating through my being. And I guess that's one of the side effects of healing work. Once you start unraveling your trauma, you realize how embodied your pain actually is. So I can't look at old photos now and not see my pain, my dysfunctional habits, my self-loathing thoughts, my destructive patterns that inherently screamed, would somebody please fix and love me? I didn't know that someone had to be me. Looking back is not always easy, but an essential integration process to accept and embrace the parts of me that I deemed unworthy and unlovable for so long. And the funny thing is, I look great in those photos, externally. There's parts of me that grief not looking like this anymore. But I know I will never go back there. I never want to feel what I felt like back then. My intentions were to patch up voids, to fill holes inside myself through external validation and gratification. Reflecting on these things, I felt the need to express my thoughts in some poetry, which is one of my favourite ways to regulate and self-soothe these days. I didn't realise how charged I was until the deep and heavy tears were rolling down my cheeks. And even then, when I read over the poem again, as I began preparing this, there were some more tears that came out, simply because all the feelings connected to it were so deeply and securely stored away in the deepest and darkest corners of my own mind. I cracked myself open. I opened a door to release myself of some of the feelings. And I simply allowed them to come out. I cried for a while, last night and before. I held myself without the need to understand, without the need to fix, and without the need to change anything about the situation. I watched the feelings transcend and disappear. It's a magical space once you realize that all you have to do sometimes to relieve yourself from a feeling that's burdening you is simply to give it some room. To sit with it. To allow it to be there. Often I hear people being so scared to feel their feelings. Because they're scared they won't come out of it again. Quite often the opposite is the case. By giving it space, it vanishes quicker than you expect. Not to say it won't ever come back. But once you make it a habit to give your emotions the space they deserve and stop fighting the utopious fact we tell ourselves 
that we don't have time to sort our shit because we have so many things to do. You will essentially end up with a whole lot more time because you finally stop wasting your time fighting yourself all the goddamn time. So here's my truth that I found that I released myself from. I've been angry over my mum's death for almost a decade. And I think it's only been once that I said that out loud. Let me get this straight. I'm not angry with the world or higher power or whoever is to blame for my mum getting sick and taking her away from me. I've been angry with my mum for passing away, for not fighting harder, for letting the disease defeat her, for the message it had sent me 10 years ago that I wasn't worthy enough to stick around for. And while that is utterly selfish to say, it has been my truth and I can no longer deny that. In my eyes, she simply gave up, even though she tried to fight physically for a while. Her mind had lost the fight long before her body did. And that makes me so angry. How could she do this to me? To my dad? To my sister? Looking back now, I think my mum struggled with her own internal battles for way too long, just like I did most of my life. I know she was depressed. She had a condition where her body didn't produce enough dopamine by herself. She actually never told me what the condition was called, but I knew she was an antidepressant. And for a very, very long time, because I was modelled this, I believed this must be what my future looks like. And what do you think the result was? I got more depressed than I already have been. It became my reality that I was doomed to live a depressed life. And in a twisted way, I did it as well to feel more connected to my mum too. Realising now that this is something I have been doing for majority of my life, that I chose something uncomfortable, painful and harming as my reality because it gave me a wicked sense of belonging to other misfits, outcasts, to other hurt people. Realising that, really left me stunned but at the same time it makes so much sense to me and in this case it made sense to me just as much ever since I could remember I struggled with my thoughts constantly battling my ego and the doubts all the doubts and negative self-talk would never end so I told myself I must have the same condition as her. I mean, in the end, who 
we share the same DNA. I finally found a reason to be feeling this way constantly. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't me. I pointed the finger outward when really I should have kept the focus on myself. When I think of my mum and how it felt to me, like she could have fought harder, I also find myself thinking, maybe she was tired of fighting. Maybe she had been fighting all her life. And maybe she just wanted some peace. And maybe she saw the cancer as a way out. I know she didn't want to die. But I also know that it seemed she couldn't find the strength to look past this and fight harder. Just like me, my mum had lost her mum when she was about my age. I don't remember my grandma. I was told she would always walk me to kindergarten and about the shared stories and the shared memories. But to me, there was nothing. I kept looking at a photo of a woman I had no connection to, no recollection of. Whether that is a trauma response or me simply being too young to recall her, I don't know. All I know is that I don't feel any connections to my grandma when I think of her. My mum was barely an adult when she lost her mum. And my mum had two little daughters, probably no clue how to raise them. And all of a sudden her mother was gone. I know what it was like to me to lose my mum. I can only imagine what it would have been like as a new mum herself. A young adult. She would have felt lost, lonely and overwhelmed. And to come to this conclusion took me the longest time. One of the things that I'm truly sad over is not asking more questions when I was younger, when I had the chance to. I'm now left with all these questions that I will never get answers to. And I think that's one of the hardest things to overcome when you lose someone you love. You won't get answers and you are the only one that gives you closure, which can work just as much. But sometimes it just ain't what we want or need. So if you have the chance, don't hold back. Don't be afraid. Just ask for things. No matter how uncomfortable that might be. I wish I asked my mum how it was for her. How she felt. both in regards to losing her mum and in regards to being sick and facing death. But like I said before, my family didn't talk much about emotional matter and I only learned to speak about that myself in the last few years because I didn't want to let it hold me back anymore. Me and my family... We all suffered in silence on our own, so it seems. And I now believe 
that my mum was incapable of expressing her feelings because a part of her died when her mother passed away. I'm unsure how far this ancestral trauma goes back and whether it's something that has been in my lineage for decades, maybe even centuries. Again, I wish I asked more questions. But the ancestors of my mother's side, her mum and her dad, are both dead and I will never know more about the history and what has happened and how far back this reoccurring trauma goes. One of the reasons on why I don't want to have kids is that I want to break the cycle. I want to break the heritage curse of daughters being left without their mothers in my family. And I also want to be a better sister and mother to females, not just the ones that lie within my bloodline. I want to learn from my own mistakes, as well as my mother, sister, and all the mothers and sisters before us that share the same gene pool. There's much more to why I don't want kids, but this is definitely one of them. I can't say I won't ever change my mind. But I've realised that I don't need to pass on my genes to feel like I've had an impact on someone else's life. And part of me is way too scared that history will repeat itself. Maybe this is another reason why I can't be close to my sister. I'm utterly scared that it will happen just the same for her and her kids. And this might sound so cowardly. But believe me when I say, there's plenty of other reasons on why I step back from the relationship with my sister. But from what I can see, she is going down the road of repeating the cycle. And to protect her privacy, as it's not my business to judge on her life and life decisions, I will leave it at that and say that it would be too hard for me to watch my sister wither away just like my mum did, if she was to fall sick. My sister won't change her ways because I tell her what I know. And that is not to say that I don't believe in myself enough. That is me knowing it's not my responsibility to make someone else change their ways and see if they don't want to. Everyone has to do what's right to them in their own time. And maybe that's also why there's two of us. Maybe we're offered the chance to live different lives, to make different choices and to witness how it will change our future and our lineage. I think more than ever about my ancestors, who there was before me and how they paved the way for me. I wish I knew more about it. I wish I had a little time travelling device or something where I could go back and watch the lives of those that came before me. If I can give one advice to anyone listening and to take one thing away from this episode that has their family around and is able to speak to them, ask questions, listen to their stories, ask what it was like to be an immigrant, to move countries, to leave everything behind, to survive a war, 
or whatever hardship they had to endure. Because there will be a time when you can't anymore. And I can almost guarantee you that then you will wish you did. That is usually the one big takeaway that I've learned from losing someone that close to me. I can't go back in time and ask for things that are burning on my soul. And just learn to listen. There's so much wisdom we can learn from elders. I truly wish my younger self was better at listening. It's a skill we all truly suck at at the best of times. And it's something that is so important, especially when it comes to establishing and maintaining connections between one another. There's truly not a lot that I regret in my life, but it's those two things. I wish I was able to ask more questions and I wish I was a better listener when I was younger. And while I can't change my past and I'm not beating myself up over not knowing better, it helps me change the trajectory of my future. It helps me to realize what I want for my life going forward. I want to ask better questions and truly give people space to answer, listen to them without the need to react, respond or do anything with the wisdom I receive other than to learn more about the person in front of me. Something that I am realizing more and more is that every person we meet is a mere reflection a mirror of ourselves and it can teach us so profoundly and intensely but often we are too caught up to even realize what's going on. At uni we were recently learning the fact of literal listening and boy it was difficult. I thought I was a good listener but observing myself how often I wanted to interrupt the other person and give my two cents, even if it was just to express my compassion and understanding, but to actually simply just sit there and do nothing but listening was incredibly challenging. And most of us can't do that. I know I struggle to every time. I know I haven't given you homework in a long time, but if you could do one thing for me this week, on top of asking more questions, but they kind of go hand in hand anyway, listen to someone without interrupting them. Give them space. Give them as much space as you can and let them talk for at least 10 to 15 minutes. And watch yourself behave in that realm. What are you wanting to do? How you want to react? And how you have to fight the urge to not respond or interrupt? Use your body language to do so. Use your eyes. Use your energy to respond. There's a lot more for you to translate empathy 
and compassion than words. It also might be unusual and weird for people that you don't say anything back, especially if that's your default mode and if that's something you normally do. But watch how they will settle into that space and observe them feeling comfortable and dropping their guards by being properly listened to. Match their breathing. Seek eye contact. Have an open body language and observe their behavior. Ask questions like, what was that like? How did that feel? What happened then? How are you feeling now? But don't give advice. Don't give in your two cents. Don't compare it to a situation that you can relate to. Just listen and try to find out as much as you can by staying open and receptive. And I'm keen to hear how that changes your conversation. Thank you once again for listening to me. I hope you're enjoying this episode and we'll chat very soon. Thank you so much for listening again. If you enjoyed this episode and you found some value in it, please share it on your social media, send it to your friends, follow my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or one of the many other platforms that I'm on. Follow me on Instagram, send me a DM. I would love to hear from you. You are the reason why I'm doing this. I love you all. <laughs>